Hi, and welcome to our podcast called Asking Better Questions. My name is John Newsham. And I am Shane Chen. We're just two friends encouraging one another to seek God more. We want to ask the best questions that we can. It's not a goal, it's a journey. The purpose of the journey is to learn and grow in God, to know Him better. We would also love to take you on that journey with us. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. We can't promise that we'll be able to answer them, but we will try to have a conversation about them. You can send the questions to askingbetterquestionspodcast at gmail.com or check us out on Instagram at askingbetterquestionspodcast. Pastor John, what is the highest mountain that you have climbed? The highest mountain that I've climbed, I think, would probably either be St. Mary's Peak or Mount Buller. But I'd have to do a Google search to say which one was taller. I don't think either of them actually count technically as mountains. Well, I do know Mount Buller. But have you climbed like right from the bottom, not just, you know, drove through it? Have you actually climbed it? Because in the Bible, Moses uh, used to climb a mountain. There's a lot of reference in the Bible about climbing mountains. So I just wanted to know if there's a mountain that from the bottom all the way to the top, if you've actually climbed. Okay, well, St. Mary's I did climb. Uh, I wasn't looking for a tree that was on fire at the time. In fact, the, it was one of the most miserable days of my life. Uh, we'd been married for a couple of years and we went camping because everyone says how great camping is. And we set out to climb this mountain, which was supposed to be, I think, about a four-hour return journey. And it just started to drizzle a little bit of rain. And we looked around and it seemed like it was going to clear. So it was just going to get a bit damp. And so we just kept going. And it was like every hundred meters or so that we traveled, the rain got heavier and heavier and heavier until we got to the top, which normally you're supposed to stand there and look out and have a great view. And all we could see was the rain in the 20 meters around us. So we got to the top. We saw the plaque that said, hey, you're at the top. We looked at each other and said, that's it. Let's go. And we just turned around and left. Uh, we were planning on having lunch up there. We were planning on look, enjoying the view. And we were just miserable. By the time we got back down, we were just so soaking wet. And we got in our tent and it didn't stop raining for another 36 hours. <laughs> and in the middle of the night, our tent got flooded. And I was in the rain, already soaking wet in my pajamas, trying to bash tent pegs back into the ground to try to... So you've now brought up some bad memories for me, Shane. No worries. Also, by we, he means his wife, not me. Yes, when I said we've recently got married, sorry, my train of thought automatically went to, I'm talking now about my wife. Yes. Uh, yes, I've never married you. Exactly. It's good to clarify because there's only two people on this podcast, so I never know who <laughs> you're referring to as when you say we. It's not definitely me. Hey, if it was you, you would have remembered. Let me tell you that. Anyway, so... No, we didn't have some spiritual encounter on top of the hill and there was nothing burning up there at all. Only thing burning was your glutes. <laughs> no, I was fit back then, so I was okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, so now I'm supposed to flip this question around to you to say, what about yourself? But I'm now in a situation where I'm not sure where the question's supposed to be going with the reference to Moses. So I'm going to turn it around and say, so have you ever climbed a mountain or what's the highest mountain you've climbed? And I'm going to assume that in that answer, you're going to show us the point of the question. Well, it is a social question, so there is no point. I've climbed many mountains in my life. And one distinct mountain that I remember climbing, I was with a cousin of mine and we decided we're just going to climb this mountain and... It was in Fiji and we started to climb this mountain and it was just amazing. And, you know, quarter of the way through, you know, you start dying because you're climbing this mountain that you're not used to climbing. <laughs> and, you know, halfway through, you want to give up. It's like, oh, this as you know, you, you as you're climbing a mountain, you know how you look up. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a fair bit to go. And then you look down and you're like, oh, I haven't made any progress at all. <laughs> yes. And. That's, that's the, you know, feeling that you get every time you climb a mountain. And so uh, for me, it was just like, oh no. But eventually, as you know, I pushed myself to my limits. I, you know, was hurting everywhere. 
but it was just getting up there and the satisfaction of being up there and seeing this wonderful view you can see all the other mountains you can see the sea uh, it was just one of the most incredible views that i have seen and i was like wow it was actually worth climbing this mountain and that i think that's just you know a simple point that sometimes we have you know mountains that we need to climb to get to the best part sometimes it's gonna be a lot of hurting you know for you it was uh, a lot of uh, bad memories but you at the end of the day you can say man i climbed that mountain when you look at it and it doesn't matter what your experience is you made it to the top i think for me there's satisfaction in that and yeah if you haven't climbed a mountain go and climb a mountain that's about it yes i would not recommend starting with something like everest no there's lots of smaller mountains around that we can we can look at and i i do know from other times where i've done things in life that that moment where you get to the top or you get to the whatever it is and you look around and you just see the view can be absolutely extraordinary i actually thought you were going to tell us the story about uh the day that god miraculously changed what day your birthday was on but we didn't go there so i guess we're moving on yeah, that's a story for another day. That's a story for another day. So we're going to head into our first segment that we like to do, which is called Random Scripture. This is where we flip the Bible to a random page and read a few verses that catch our eye on that page. Then we'll have a discussion about that verse and we'll let the discussion take on a life of its own. The only thing we choose is how close to the back of the book we get. We'll try to get an even spread, but not to get it statistically perfect randomness. Random Randomness. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> if we end up in one section more often, it's not deliberate. If you want to count how many times we end up in one book, you go for it, but we won't be counting. So Shane, I think it must be my turn to flip the book today, is it? Yes, get us a good one, Pastor John. Get us a good one. Wow. Let's pray, hey? So I've got, I've got a scenario, Shane, which I'm not sure how to handle it, is that I've flipped the Bible open to two pages, 200 pages apart, accidentally somehow. It's like when you flip a coin and it lands on the edge. Yes. I don't know how that's possible. Okay. Well, the other problem that I've got is because I just chose, let's push the big pile in the middle to the right. And I've ended up in the passage that we want to be referring to later on in the podcast. Okay. All so, right. so we've made a commitment that wherever we end up, that's where we're going to go from. So I'm going to read it. So we've got to open here to Joel chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 30. I'll show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance. As the Lord has said among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Wow, isn't that a very end time verse and... I love it. What is there to say? Pretty straightforward. Let's move on. <laughs> Interesting how it says some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape. We're just talking about mountains. Yeah. Huh. How far up this is from the, uh, the, the scale of zero being coincidence and 10 being a miracle. How far would you say this particular verse is up that scale? It's a... Uh, pretty big mountain to climb so yeah i would say it's pretty close to a miracle so uh the bit that jumps out to me uh, is it says but everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved and isn't that what we you know christianity is all about uh that's how we get our salvation if we call upon the name of the lord we will be saved that includes everyone and it was just like the the thief and the murderer that was crucified with jesus you know they were people who were not saved but they called upon the name and instantly they were saved he said to them you'll be with me today in heaven and how amazing was that and i believe that it doesn't matter where you come from what you have done everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved because the name of Jesus carries power for our salvation. 
our words carry power that actually brings salvation. So when we actually speak our words out, it gives us salvation. So we need to call out yeah. for God and he will give us our salvation. Yeah, that's right. And obviously in the context that we're reading it, we're now reading it uh, some over two and a half, three thousand years after it was written. And we then interpret it based on, as you are, and, and rightly so, uh, in the context of calling on the name of Jesus. Uh, of course, when this was written, the name of Jesus had not been heard of in that sense. And so when they're calling on the name of the Lord, they're talking about the, the Father, they're talking about calling on the name of God in the context of not understanding that the Savior is coming. And so they're actually, in that sense, they're going to read this scripture very differently. They're going to have it read in a different context. And this this comment, this line, is used several times throughout the Old Testament that they, that they called on the name of the Lord and the Lord came and saved them. And so it's actually a pattern that's set up. And so when we interpret it that we call on the name of Jesus and we'll be saved, I think if we actually go back and look at what that meant to to the Jews, to the Hebrews, as they were writing and reading these scriptures... It actually gives us a nice picture of what salvation actually means to us that we don't necessarily think about. Uh, I think, you know, I've grown up in church and the word saved, it's not that it's lost its meaning, but I, I tend to think of it as the point that someone accepts Jesus, which is accurate, but it's not the underlying meaning of the word. What are they being saved from? It's taken a long time to sort of dig into what that actually means. And so if we just read it in this context, that, that Joel is talking to people who are in and out of uh, captivity in other lands and they've got their own land, but sometimes they're you know, being taken away and sometimes other people are coming and overthrowing their land. And when they call on the name of the Lord, he comes and he saves them from whatever the situation is that they're in and brings them, redeems them, brings them back into freedom. And so I think, uh, you know, if we just put that in the context of, well, I gave my life to Jesus. I called on the name of the Lord. And the, the New Testament authors very clearly make the case that Jesus is the Lord, which is referring back to the Old Testament. Um, so if we call on the name of Jesus, the character of God is the same, that as we call on his name, we'll be saved. Now, we then interpret salvation differently. We've, I think we've done a whole podcast on the topic of salvation already, so I don't want to just dive back into that one again. Um, but just to note in this case that it's actually talking about, in their view, a different type of salvation to what we're talking about. But it's still, that's the basis of what we're, of where we get our understanding. Yeah, that's it. So we're going to head into our second segment now where we tackle the question of the day. And we've been sitting on this question for a little while. I think we might have mentioned it, that we're going to get around to it. We've been sitting on it for quite a few months now. I think we've put in enough groundwork so that we can try to tackle this rather large question. And it's actually a question that's come from South Africa regarding someone who is born again. They're in a walk with Christ and they've always yearned for the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit to be manifest in their life. Yeah, come on. From their perspective, nothing like that has ever happened. And so they're asking the question, is that because they've not been baptized or could it be because they haven't received the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Yeah, yeah. So with that question as our foundation stone today we're going to be talking about baptism in the holy spirit yeah we're probably going to touch on baptism in water to a degree we're going to touch on baptism in the holy spirit we're going to briefly touch on the gifts of the spirit so as we approach this question i think it's important for us to clarify a few things firstly that we're coming from what is known as the pentecostal perspective and so that means that we've been trained in a certain way of viewing the scriptures that we're going to refer to, and we read them that way. Um, in that process of that, both of us have then done further training, further study, and also have read the scripture for ourselves and either completely or partly comfortable with, with this perspective. Um, I think one of the phrases that I would like to say is the perspective that we're going to give, although I can't 100% say that's the way it has to be, as I read the scriptures, this is the interpretation that leaves me with the least questions that I can't answer from scripture. So I think from that point of view, that's, that's why we're going to stick to the perspective we've got. If you have a different perspective on this question, 
that we're not trying to change your mind. We're happy if you do change your mind, but that's not our goal. Our goal is to answer the question we've been given, and we're going to do that from what we believe the scripture says. I think it's important on that to know I'm really happy to have conversations, even disagreeing conversations with people who go to the Bible as their source of doctrine. Even if I then disagree with the way they interpret the scripture, we can come to that point of agreement to say, well, you know, we read it differently, but we agree with the foundation. And so I can respect someone who reads the scripture differently to me and say, we're, we're happy to have that. Uh, that disagreement, we can agree to disagree and, and be happy. I don't believe that the topic that we're talking about today affects whether or not someone is saved. And so we'll go into more detail of that later, but I'm not saying that if someone disagrees with my perspective, then they're not Christian. Most of the Christian traditions, I think, would actually disagree with what we're probably going to say. I think the perspective of the Pentecostal movement is not the the orthodox or the normal interpretation so I'm just putting that out there to say, if, if we say something that you disagree with, feel free to send us an email, askingbetterquestionspodcast at gmail.com or, or send us a message on Instagram at askingbetterquestionspodcast. And, uh, and we'll be happy you know, to have a bit of a back and forth or, or just to accept what you've said and, and leave it at that. Hopefully, from the perspective that we give today, we can genuinely answer this question and, uh, and perhaps give some different things to think about in that process. Is there anything I need to add on that, Shane, of our perspective? Yeah, I'm happy with that, Pastor John. Good stuff. So when we were asked this question, the part, one of the parts we were asked about was the gift of the spirits. And we have done that in one of the earlier podcasts. So if you would like to listen to that, please go and check it out. It's with Pastor Daniel, and he did an amazing job in answering those questions for us. So please go and check that out. I feel like our starting point should be that people usually get confused between the two types of baptism. There's baptism in water and there's baptism in fire, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I would like to start off with um, in Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. This is John the Baptist saying, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and tend to God. But someone is coming soon. Who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So in just this one verse, we see there's two types of baptism. When John the Baptist came, he was preparing a way for Jesus. He was baptizing people in water and what that represented was being clean from your old life. Anything that you've done in the past is just basically what it does is you're going underwater and becoming a new creation. You're leaving your past life behind. You're saying on that day you're born again. You are no longer who you used to be. Now you're going to be a follower of Jesus. That's what the water baptism is. But today, I, I just thought we should clarify that, that those two things are very different from each other. And now let's talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pastor John. Yeah, so I think another, I just want to add on to a little bit of that, of what you've said there, that from our perspective, we're, we're talking about both the water baptism and the baptism of fire or baptism in the Holy Spirit to be things that are normally done after salvation. And so that's one of the differences that we're going to have when we're talking about it is some people talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit being part of salvation. And some people talk about water baptism being the point where salvation is is sealed or, or actually is formalized. And so we're actually going to be separating all three of those events. So we, there's salvation, there's baptism in water, and there's baptism in fire. And we look at them as three separate events. Yep. So I, I just wanted to add that one in. I, I like what you've said between baptism of water and fire, but just wanted to add in that salvation, in our view, is also separate to both of those. They can all happen, you know, sort of in, in the same time, that someone could be saved, water baptized, and baptized in the Holy Spirit all in a very short period of time, like the same day. 
but we do we do see them as distinct events. So when we talk about baptism of fire, this is something that John the Baptist predicted that Jesus would give to people. And we see, we, we interpret that on the day of Pentecost when they were all gathered in the upper room and they're all in one accord and they're all praying and the Holy Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind and there was tongues of fire and speaking in tongues and uh, preaching and thousands of people being added to the church. We talk about that day, the birth of the church, as being the first significant baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I see one of the difficulties that we have with the topic, in my view, is the language that's used in the Scripture. Now, most of the time we're reading it in English, which always makes one, one thing slightly difficult. But also, I think the different authors and different people within the stories actually use similar language and I think sometimes they mean different things and so for example Jesus uh, says to his disciples he breathes on them and says receive the Holy Spirit but then later on he says go to Jerusalem wait in Jerusalem and don't go anywhere until you've received the Holy Spirit and so there's this disconnect there that well they've already received the Holy Spirit now they're waiting to be filled with the Holy Spirit so so we, we look at that and say, well, are they actually different events that are just worded in a similar way? And so uh, that, that's one of the reasons why we, we refer to it as being different, uh, along with a few other things like that. And then in the middle of that, we have this absolutely life-changing event where the disciples or the apostles and all of the people that are with them in that upper room, 120 people, seem to just suddenly change. They, they've had this encounter with Jesus as he's walked on the earth. They've witnessed in some format his, his false accusations, his false trial, his sentencing to death, his crucifixion. Then you know many of them that were in the room would have seen him being buried. And then afterwards, they again witnessed him walking around alive. And after his death, he appeared to something like 500 people before the day of Pentecost, in the first 40 days after his resurrection, he, he, he went around and actually visited people and had conversations with people and showed him showed them the, the scars in his hands and his feet and his side. And so there's this miraculous encounter where people are seeing the resurrected Jesus. And then out of the 500, we don't know how many went to the pre-meeting and waited, but by the time the Holy Spirit arrives on the day of Pentecost, we see 120 still there still in, in that prayer mode and, and still in one accord and, and hungering after God and waiting for what's been promised. I think that that's an absolutely incredible, there's like different perspectives that you can see on that. Like, you know, where were the other 380 people that knew that Jesus had been raised from the dead and didn't do what he said and didn't yeah. wait in the upper room until the promise had been fulfilled? Um, and so that that's one, one question. But also, uh, you know, you've only got, what we'll call a church of 500 people and yet 120 of them stay in the prayer meeting for possibly 10 days. That's a, that's a really long prayer meeting. Uh, you know, it might've been as short as six or seven days, but we, like, we don't know exactly the number of days they're in that room. We know that it wasn't more than 10, but within that we see that 120 people out of only 500 people actually stayed in that prayer meeting until the presence of God revealed revealed himself in this incredible way. Hmm. So I have been in prayer meetings where I have seen that happen, where the Holy Spirit has come and people that I don't expect start to speak in tongues. I've been in, you know, revival meetings. I have been in church camps. I've been in lots of different places where this event takes place. And I think a big reason for that is the same way it describes it in Acts chapter 2, that they had to sit there and wait. And I think a big part of our Pentecostal movement is that's what we try to do, is we create room for the Holy Spirit yeah. and wait for the Holy Spirit to come and hit us. And we pray for any believer who is not baptized in the Holy Spirit, we pray for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so I have seen people sometimes wait for longer periods than some someone else does some someone new walks in through the door and they get saved and 
all of a sudden they get baptized in the Holy Spirit all in one go. And then there's been times where I have seen people wanting to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for years and years and years, and they haven't, you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit. So there's times when I have seen that happen. But for me, what I always encourage people to do in that uh, when they're in that environment is actually continue to position yourself where you know this type of event is going to happen. So yes, you need to go to revival meetings when, uh, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, you need to go to church where they uh, encourage for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, you need to go to camps where they do this. So sometimes we need to position ourselves in places where you can see this type of event happen in your life. So a big thing I believe to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is where are you positioned? Yeah, and obviously the the apostles and, and this group of 120 people were told to wait in Jerusalem. And so if they had have gone and, you know, found a, found a home in Australia at that point, then they would have missed it. They wouldn't have been there. So I think the positioning uh, is exactly right. I think also, uh, and, you know, I... I don't think that God can only get you in one place. I don't think there's, I don't think that now we have to go to Jerusalem to experience God. Absolutely. At the same time, one of the things that's a feature here is that they were obeying what God had said to them. Yes. Jesus told them, go and wait. And so they went and they waited. And what were they doing while they were waiting? Well, they were praying, they were making plans for the future, trying to work out how do we. You know, I don't, they didn't have the, the name church uh, that we now use, but they were planning for, well, you know, what structure was set up and therefore what structure do we need going forward? And so Jesus chose 12 disciples and called them apostles and now we're down to 11. So we need to choose another one and they replaced Judas with Matthias. And so they're, they're sitting there trying to work out what do we do? How do we move forward? How do we, how do we fulfill what it is that God wants us to do? And in that environment was where God came and encountered them. So, you know, in that, I think the fact that they're actually following God, they're obeying him, they're trusting him in that moment is very significant. So I think, you know, one of the other things that actually comes up in the question we were asked for this week is desire. And so the fact that we are pursuing God, we're hungering after him, we're thirsting for him, we're wanting to know him more. We're, maybe we're reading the Bible, we're praying, we're, we're sharing our faith, we're, we're, we're singing songs of worship or, or whatever it is that we're doing to, to stir up that hunger inside of us to say, I'm actually pursuing God. And I think that's one of the important things. And, you know, in, in the question we got, the question actually states, I've yearned for the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit to manifest in my life. And so that yearning... I think is actually important and it doesn't answer everything because there are desires that we have that, that sometimes do go unfulfilled. But Jesus said, if you're a bad parent and you know how to give good gifts to your kids, or you're not a perfect parent and you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the father in heaven give you the Holy spirit? If you ask. Yeah, come on. And so there is part of the question is, are you asking? Mm. Now, you know, timing is everything. These people seem to be praying for anywhere up to 10 days, at least three days. They were praying and they didn't receive anything until the day of Pentecost had fully come. And so there is that uh, part of that is God's timing. I think both of us were in a prayer meeting one time where, where we were praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And God actually spoke to one of the people we were praying for and said, it's not your time yet. Yeah. And that was quite a struggle for them to hear that. But at the same time, they heard the voice of God speaking to them. And so there was the, the wrestling with what God was saying and the choosing to trust him and the moving forward within that. And another nine people, I think it was, actually did get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they started speaking in tongues. And that was the out of all of the prayer meetings I've ever been to in my life, that was the one where I felt the presence of God in an absolutely mind-blowingly amazing way that I can't, I can't fully describe. It was just the, 
the presence of God was there. And I, the only way I could describe it, it was like I was in the pillar of cloud that's described as the children of Israel are traveling through the wilderness in the, in the book of Exodus. The, the presence of God, it was just like there was a pillar of the presence of God in that room. And we were praying for people in, in the presence of God in that way. And it was just an amazing time. And in the middle of that, with all of that was going on, there was one person who didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but heard God speak to them and say, it's not your time. Yeah. And so I think, you know, all of the things, we're not putting out a formula where if you punch in these variables, this is the answer that has to punch out. Where What we're saying is the Holy Spirit is a person. I think we've made that point. Uh, clear in a couple of different podcasts so far we're going to say it again today the holy spirit is a person who desires relationship with us god created us one of the main purposes of our creation is to have that relationship with him Mm. and now the holy spirit is the facilitator of that relationship he he comes and he gives us words and thoughts and desires towards god he he uh, he is god but he also points us towards both Jesus and the Father to draw us into that relationship. And so with any relationship, there's certain things that I want to do for my kids. And if my children right now said, I want to drive the car, I would be saying not yet because they're not old enough. Now, it's possible that we could go find a place where no danger could happen and there's no legal restrictions on age, you know, out on some property somewhere and they could have a drive of a car. That's one thing. But for them to say, when we're going to the shops, I want to drive the car there. No, not yet. Because why? Because I want to be a good father and a good father is not going to create a situation that the child is not ready for yet. And so sometimes there is a delay and we don't know what that delay is for. We, sometimes we look at certain people and we say they're not ready and God says they are. And sometimes we look at other people and say they are ready and God says, no, they're not yet. We don't know why or how he makes all of those judgments. But as a person who wants relationship with us, he ultimately decides the timing and we can't earn this thing. It is a gift. Yes, absolutely. It's not something that we deserve. It's not something that we get to a certain point in our maturity or or we get to a more saved place. And I say that, you know, with, with my fingers going up, making quotation marks, because there's not more saved. There's saved by the grace of God through faith. And that faith coming from God himself, he gives it to us as a gift. So even the faith is grace. And yet also we have this other gift, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is another gift we can't earn, we don't deserve, we can't deserve. And we can't, we're not God. We don't get to decide all of the ways that he works. He ultimately is sovereign. But he also does choose to respond to our yearnings, to our desires, to our requests, and to our heart. So how can we possibly do this podcast without mentioning Acts chapter 2? Because that is, you know, the first time that this happened. And this is what happened. Let me just read this out to you. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were all sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So we see in this passage, this is the first time, the 120 that uh, Pastor John mentioned before, they were all in this one room and something like this windstorm came and they saw like these flames of fire, like these tongues of fire settle on each one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing they started to do was starting to speak in tongues or starting to speak in other languages. And that was just this amazing event. We, we see this all throughout the Bible. This is something that people have been waiting for a long time. And it has been promised in the Bible through pro- prophecies that this is going to happen. Yeah. And we look at the way they used to have presence of God. I just quickly want to mention in the Old Testament that they had the Ark of Covenant, which had 
the presence of God in it. And that's the only place that the presence of God was. It wasn't physically in human beings. And so the presence of God was in this one thing. And I believe a person touched it and they died. This thing was so powerful. And I remember King David bringing the presence of God into his city. He went crazy over the fact the presence of God is going to be in, in his city. Yeah. And I just, I don't know what David's reaction would be like if right there and then he was told, do you see this thing that you're carrying that you're bringing into the city? This presence of God can actually live on the inside of you. Yeah, wow. That would have been so mind-blowing for David in that moment because he was, first of all, as a king, he was already crazy. He was being told off by one of his queens uh, that, you know, why you're a king, you shouldn't be acting like this. Imagine that. David would have been told that this thing that you're bringing to the city, you're throwing a big party, a big celebration over this thing that could live inside an individual and everyone in your city. Amazing thought. This is exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2, that that presence of God, instead of in one place on the Ark of the Covenant, is actually now inside of the people, that power people carry, that actually, before they used to touch it, they would literally die if they touched it. But now, I believe there was a tribe that could only touch it, it was the Levites, I believe. But now, everyone has access to this uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, where that spirit, that same spirit that was back then, that raised Christ from the dead, now lives in us. Sometimes I think people forget who carry the Holy Spirit, that that's the kind of power we carry. Yeah. And that's the kind of power that we're looking forward to in our lives. So when we talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's something that should get you excited about because that's an amazing power that you actually carry on the inside of you. That power, when you pray for someone, you know, it heals them, it raises them from the dead, it can move mountains, it can do so many amazing things that power can change the whole world. And that's exactly what they did. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were actually sent out into all the world. That 120, they went all over telling about the gospel they went and they preached about this they saw people being baptized in the holy spirit and started speaking in tongues yeah because there was this power in them that could it's like invincible it can do anything and everything it wasn't them but it was the power of the holy spirit yeah shane as you're talking about this scenario with the presence of god and the fire and you know when you look at the Ark of the Covenant that you're describing, it used to be kept in the tabernacle before they brought it in and built a temple around it. And the way that they knew that the presence of God was in the tabernacle was by a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud. And we see, again, that the the cloud, the wind, the storm, and also the fire being partly and, and linked with the presence of God. And when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and all the people were afraid because they saw what they believed was the presence of God on the mountain. It was a firestorm and lightning and thunder and cloud covering the mountain. And so these themes of fire, wind and cloud are actually regularly through the Old Testament scriptures referring to the presence of God. And as you say, people saw it and, and there was this desire to have God in their midst. And yet there was also this fear of the the power and the the magnitude of God. Yeah. And quite often you see, you know, when when the temple was built by Solomon, the presence of God entered the temple and it filled with cloud and it it just knocked everyone off their feet. The priests couldn't stand to to serve in the temple because the presence of God came and filled the place. And so there's this overwhelming almost like this thunderstorm, lightning storm that that comes to signify that the presence of God is there and that speaks of the power and the amazing sovereignty of God and as you say we now have the privilege of the holy spirit who actually comes and lives inside of us yeah you know we have electricity running through our house and there's people that have done a lot of work to keep it safe and so it only really 
is useful when you plug something into the PowerPoint and it has a wire attached to it, but the electricity is constantly running around there and there's certain times where we're able to actually tap in and use that electricity. But if you take all of the safety off of the electricity, you're in real trouble. Like it, it is dangerous, it is powerful. And so we see through the Old Testament, one of the pictures is almost like God with all of his power sort of protects people and and contains himself in certain ways so as there's not destruction. Mm. And so that there's this positive power. And I'm not trying to liken him to electricity. I'm certainly not going down the, the Jedi uh, picture of God. He, he is a person. But the power that he carries, it's like he limits it and, and contains it in a way so that it only does what it needs to do. And in the book of Acts that we're just reading, that power which spoke the world into existence and maintains the world's existence, the whole universe is created and sustained by that power, lives in us. Yeah. And we have the opportunity to speak with him and to have him speak back to us. We have the opportunity to go out into the world with him working through us. What a crazy thought that God would work through humans, but yet that's the pattern we see through Scripture. And even more, we see it through ordinary people in the New Testament where people who don't have any call to fame, they don't have any overt skills or knowledge or understanding, and yet God comes and empowers them and they turn the world upside down. Yeah, And it's just an amazing concept. And as you say, that... that thrill that david would have like even just the the ark of the covenant coming back into the city he went crazy to the point where his wife despised him because he was just so over the top how he would look forward to a day like this day of pentecost where every believer has the opportunity to have the presence of god not in their city but in them where they become the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit resides in them. And I, I think we do. We overlook that. We we become accustomed to it. It becomes normal, and it becomes a doctrine that we talk about. And we forget the fact that the whole purpose of this is so that we will hunger after God and that we will introduce other people to God. Yeah. That's the whole purpose. It's it's not so that we can have a good textbook and have a good understanding and, and teach people. No, te- all of those things are great. But we have the opportunity to step into the presence of God and to, in fact, have the presence of God step into us. And yeah. some of the wording of the scripture actually says it's like he takes us, puts us on like a coat. He puts us, He clothes himself in us. And so we become almost clothing for him as we go into the world. Yeah. That's a crazy thought that God Mm. who created everything would want that level of intimacy and relationship with me and with you and with our listeners. We've gone way off track. Yeah, absolutely, Pastor John. I would like to look at the word baptism because in, in the original language that it was written back then, Baptism actually had, you know, it was one word that meant a lot of different things. Yeah. For example, if a ship was sinking and it's been filled with water, that would say, ah, the ship has been baptized. Because it was this one word they used for 10 different things. And for me, uh, I think David Hall sort of mentioned this the best. And it is, baptism is basically something that if you have a ship, on the water and it starts to sink the process of baptism is that water coming into the ship and occupying the space that is in the ship yeah that is baptism and that's what the holy spirit does when it comes when we get baptized in the holy spirit it actually comes on the inside and occupies the space on the inside and you can use that analogy in a lot of different ways there's an object and it's an empty object and that object is filled with something. That's what baptism is. That's why the Holy Spirit baptism, when it talks about that, it's something that the fire of God, the Holy Spirit, comes and occupies the vessel that we're, 
we are and that's the picture that we are sort of given what it looks like there has been many instances in the bible and throughout my life where i have seen many people get baptized in the holy spirit and they start speaking in tongues and life is going great for them and i believe one of the most important things about being baptized in the holy spirit is that you recognize what you carry on the inside of you and like we talked about this amazing power all of this and some people believe actually if you're baptized in the holy spirit you can never turn away from god because you have the holy spirit living on the inside of you and i have seen many people actually being baptized in the holy spirit actually then decide you know what i'm going to turn my life away from god and they actually forgotten what actually occupies them yeah and sometimes i just think wow how can you being filled with the holy spirit carrying the kind of power in you and the holy spirit leading you how can sometimes we let ourselves get in the way of what god wants to do in our life and i believe it requires mentorship it requires people to come around you to say hey man you got a great gift in your life and that you carry the holy spirit you can do amazing things for the kingdom of god and i believe if we don't have a mentorship when it comes to this being filled with the holy spirit or we just simply don't know what it means and we are filled with the holy spirit and we don't even know how to ask god what this gift is all about and sometimes we need a believe of people to get around us to let us know that what the gifting we have what does it mean to have the holy spirit and how can i see this amazing gift um uh, in my life walk through me to help others um for me to make the right decisions for me to obey god in in whatever he wants me to do and l- not let um myself not come in the way of what god wants me to do yeah so shane you mentioned earlier that it was prophesied that this day would come and the one of the main ones that gets referred to is actually by the apostle peter on the day when everyone who was around heard the noise and the excitement of what was going on they came to see what was happening and they looked at this group of people and said well they're just drunk they they've obviously been drinking they've had too much that's why they're like this and peter says no, no we're not drunk this is what was prophesied by the prophet joel And so we're I'm actually going to read uh the the prophecy from the book of Joel. We were in Joel chapter 2 earlier in our podcast for our random scripture and we actually read part of this. But I'm going to read uh Joel chapter 2 verses 28 to 32. And he actually stops partway through 32, doesn't read the whole verse. So I'll stop at the same point as him. Um and it says and afterwards I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy Your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in heavens and on the earth, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we actually see in this moment part of the plan of God being fulfilled. in one specific area and that is breaking down the barriers that we set up to stop certain people from being able to do certain things and so you know in our culture at the moment there's there's a real push to say that the old people should just sit down and stop doing stuff and let the young people come in and take over and and it's almost like we're pushing the old people out of the way as a culture and saying they they're no longer relevant they're no longer important and yet god says well i'm going to give them dreams i'm going to pour out my spirit on them yeah but he also says to the young people and often we look at the young people and say well they're not experienced enough yet and they need more understanding they need more learning and they need more uh life experience they need more whatever it is and so we're going to wait and god says no i'm going to i'm going to pour out my spirit on the young people and they're going to have visions yeah and then you know in various different parts of society we push either the men or the women aside and say well we need to be biased this way or or we need to stop this from happening that way and god says no i'm going to actually use both men and women absolutely later on in the story we actually see that uh, god comes to the apostle peter because it was still an exclusively jewish 
religion, Christianity at that stage. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't called Christianity. They considered themselves to be Jews who had found the Messiah. And God comes and has uh, meets with Peter and he has this vision of the, the food, the different animals coming down on the sheet and God saying, eat them. And Peter saying, no, they're unclean animals. I'm not going to eat them. And God saying, don't call unclean what I've called clean. And out of that, God sends Peter to the house of some Gentiles and he shares with them the story of what's been happening and the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. And they accept Jesus. They, they, they become Christians, as we would say it. And at that moment, they're also baptized with the Holy Spirit and they start speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they speak in tongues makes Peter step back and go, hang on, this is what we got. They're getting the same thing. And so he comes back and, and the other Jews are saying, how dare you? How dare you offer salvation and entry into the church to these people who are not part of the Jewish clan? Yeah. And Peter says, well, they received the same gift from the same God that we received. So how can I deny what God has allowed? Yes. And so as a result of that, we actually see that God steps beyond one chosen people group and includes everyone, all who call on the name of the Lord can be saved. Yeah, preach. And so we see again, the fact that the Holy Spirit comes actually breaks God out of the box. And I say that phrase deliberately in the sense that we he was contained in that sense in the Ark of the Covenant which was in the temple and it was behind a barrier and only one person could go in once a year and, and depending on what your ranking and your status and your, and your health was like, was how close, and even your gender, was how close you could get to the Ark of the Covenant, to God in that box. And yet when the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes people, it's like the Holy Spirit breaks out of God, the presence of God breaks out of that box and is able to reach the entire world. Yeah. Now God said to Abraham, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And even when Jesus came, and we can say that's the moment when salvation came to the world, but even then, Jesus really only dealt with the Jewish people. Now, his heart was beyond that. He, he loved the whole world, but he did almost all of his ministry specifically within the context of the Jewish nation. It's only when the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost and then, and then further on through the book of Acts that we actually see all of the nations of the earth being blessed. Yeah. And so now I'm, I'm not Jewish, and yet I'm allowed into the family of God. I'm allowed to be one of his people because the church broke free of the barriers that had restricted the presence of God into that one little place. Because now the presence of God is in every individual who, who God chooses to give that gift to. And we have the ability to go out into all the world and make disciples in his name. That the it's just mind blowing the unity that comes beyond just one type of person, and so you know in the church that I attend, there's people of different genders, different backgrounds, different races, different languages, and we all gather together in a form of unity, brought together, fulfilling the prayer of God that we would be one, yeah. just as He and the Father are one, that we would be one, and we see that in the church that people of such different backgrounds that in all likelihood shouldn't be able to get along with each other are united under the banner of Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit that brings unity in that place. And and so whatever our interpretation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, the unity isn't specifically in that context. The Spirit brings us together, but the church broke through those barriers when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was brought in. Not, not when people believed in Jesus. But when the power of the Holy Spirit was unleashed, that it crossed over barriers, it changed people's lives and miracles started to happen and overflow into the world. And we see just the message of the gospel spread so powerfully because of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in people's lives. Yeah, amazing. And, you know, the picture of the temple curtains being torn from top to bottom. Yeah. The release of the Holy Spirit onto everyone. And it's just an amazing picture. I love how, I'm just going to say this, that we are so blessed to live in the time that we're living now that we weren't born 2,000 years back when we didn't have access and the ability to receive this gift. Yeah. And now that we have it, why not actually be hungry for it? Why not actually go after this 
and actually want to receive this gift. And as, as you mentioned, Pastor, it's for everyone. No matter what your age, gender, or you know, color of your skin, or anything, none of those things matter. Where you're born doesn't matter. This amazing gift is for all believers. It's for everyone. And it's a shame that sometimes we forget that this is absolutely what we need. Like God told them to wait. Don't do anything without getting this Holy Spirit. Yeah. Don't move at all without getting this Holy Spirit. But sometimes I think we think, hold on, I can do this on my own. Yeah. I can actually do a lot of things on my own. I have done it for ages. Why do I need this Holy Spirit to help me now when I never needed his help before? And the fact that we actually come to that question is reminds us that we actually need him more than ever. There's things like we're not meant to carry heavy burden and it could look in a lot of different forms what your heavy burden is and God can give you rest. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It, he gives you rest. When you, need, when you need a comforter, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Is your comforter. Yeah. When, when you need help in any sort of way, He's your helper. He's your provider. What is it that I believe in this world, everyone has some kind of need. Even if you have it all. You could be an amazing billionaire and you have created this big, you know, company for yourself and you have a nice big house and mansion, whatever you have. You still have problems in life. You still carry burdens and the only way to get rid of them is by the Holy Spirit. And that's why this gift is so important that God basically said, I have actually made a way for you to get your life together, to live a life that is fulfilling, to live a life that is blessed. All you have to do is wait upon me and ask. If you ask, you will receive. So what is stopping us from asking God? What is stopping us to be hungry after it? Why, why is it something not on the top of our list to pray? We like to bring our problems to God. What if we just simply go to God, hey God, give me the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I know my life would be so much better once I have the Holy Spirit. Because then I'll know for sure that you're guiding me in everything that I do. You're there with me every step of the way. I'm actually then out of the overflow of the Spirit. I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm speaking what I'm speaking. And my actions are reflecting God and not me. And so sometimes we can be stuck at me so many times that I can do this. I have to do this. And it's my problem to deal with. I have many people say to me, I need to take a break from church because I need to go and sort out my issues. I was like, no, you need to come to church so that God can sort out your issues. Yeah. Because it's the Holy Spirit who can do that better than you can do that. Because some people leave church and they go, oh, I'm going to sort out my issues. And I don't see them for years. They don't come back because the Holy Spirit is there to help you. That's why His he, Jesus came into this world to... You know, stop making sacrifices. I'll be a sacrifice and I'm going to make it so easy for you to actually go to heaven. I'm going to make it so easy for you that I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so you don't have to run here and there. He's with you all the time. Yeah. I don't have to make an effort. I didn't need to go out of my bed in the morning to go to a sacred place to pray. The Holy Spirit is right there with me. He's made it so easy. I don't need to go and look after my goats and my sheep and all the animals uh, that I need to you know, have for my sacrifices. He's made it so easy for me. God has made it so easy for us to access Him, to access His presence. So my question is, why is it so hard to just simply ask? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, Shane. The, the fact that he's made it so easy for us and yet we still find it so hard to just actually say, I'm going to ask, I'm going I'm to actually step aside and pray. It's so easy for us to step into the presence of God and yet we don't. So I think, you know, there's a tendency to replace our desire for God with a list of religious practices. There's a tendency to just say well it's easy i'll do it tomorrow or the next day or or there's more that needs to be done that just seems too easy 
I think there is tendency to that. We'll probably talk about that in the future. I think we've gone off track a little bit today in the sense of what we'd prepared to say. There was a, quite a few things that we wanted to talk about that we've ended up saying we'd actually rather talk about these other things. And so that's, that's fine. I've, I've got no issue with that. I've enjoyed the conversation. I, uh, I pray that the listeners will have enjoyed the conversation. But if it's stirred up more questions for you, uh, then we'd love to hear those questions from you. Also, if you've got a story, a testimony about one of these events where, where you impacted well, you were impacted by the presence of God in a mighty way, baptized in the Holy Spirit or, or some other such story, we'd also love to hear from you. So one of our statements in our mission at the start is that we're two friends encouraging each other to seek God more. And I think that's probably why we've gone away from our notes a little bit today and actually just talked about how amazing the presence of God is yeah, and how amazing the Holy Spirit is. And so... Uh, we're certainly not going to apologize for loving God and desiring him and for encouraging each other and you also to to desire him. So we'd love to hear from you. You can send any comments or questions to askingbetterquestionspodcast at gmail.com or, or send us a message at askingbetterquestionspodcast on Instagram. Yes, and we'd love to hear from you and we'll see you in the next one. See you later. Goodbye.